Hello and welcome to the TES podcast issue review. Uh, this is your, um, not almost weekly, we are weekly uh, podcast, uh, giving you all the best and brightest education news and views. My name is Richard Vaughan uh, and joining me today is uh, Adi Bloom. Hello Adi. Hello. And of course we have Ed Dorrell. Hello Ed. Bonjour. Bonjour. So it's been um, another very busy week, as it always is in TES Towers. Um, we're going to talk about one story which isn't in the magazine. This is um, slightly unusual for us. Uh, we're just going to talk about Natasha Devon uh, briefly. Natasha Devon has been has been dumped by the DFE. <laughs> in in her own words. In yes. her own words. Natasha Devon, for those of you who haven't come across her work, um, was appointed... I guess about a year ago, to the role of the DfE's mental health champion, mm -hmm. um, recognising in possibly quite a progressive move um, for a Conservative administration yeah. that there were increasing problems um, with mental health in both primary age kids and adolescents. Uh, they announced to some fanfare, I think in a Sunday newspaper, that Natasha Devon, who um, is a well-known campaigner, uh, on the issue would be their mental health champion, an unpaid role. Um, we promptly asked Natasha if she wanted to write a weekly column for us, which she kindly agreed to. So she's been writing a, a weekly column online on a Monday for us. Um, and it appears that this, and being rather outspoken in general, has mm. got her into trouble with the powers that be at the department. A bit of hot water. Um, and in the end, uh, things came to a head yesterday and uh, they went their separate ways she's a uh, she wrote a piece for us <laughs> almost immediately <laughs> oh, which is rather brilliant actually and well worth a read if you want to find it on our brilliant news website um in which she refers to being dumped yes and uh, how the dfe said to her it's not her it's, it's them, them yeah. <laughs> they were the telltale line um a d in fact was uh the editor who published one of her more controversial pieces which might give you a flavor of the kind of stuff she's been talking about. She was talking about, she was at a conference and there were various great and good in mental health there and, and ministers there. And she said, it's great that these people turned up. But then the minister, I can't remember which minister it was, but the minister in question just kept banding around catchphrases. And she was saying, surely let's not bandy around these phrases, which are essentially meaningless unless you do something with them. Let's look at the substantive problem underneath. Let's change the system. And she didn't get a very good response to that. And she wrote a piece for us in which she described this and criticised the government for being willing to bandy around phrases that make them look good, but without actually doing anything to address the underlying problems. And was subsequently called in and given a rap over the knuckles. <laughs> I mean, they must have known what they were getting with uh, Natasha Devon. Yeah, you would have thought so, but you often wonder, with such appointments, how much due diligence yeah. is done um, of a serious nature and how much there's a PR man saying, but wouldn't this be a great headline? Absolutely. I mean, I don't think they could have guessed really, though, quite how outspoken she would remain. Yeah. I mean, literally weekly in terms of our columns. Yeah. I mean, completely unashamedly um, attacking the testing regime, the focus on exams, the shrinking of the curriculum, all the stuff that people worry about as having consequences on kids' mental health. Yeah. And, and squarely blaming the government. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. So it was, I suspect, and I think she probably knew too, only a matter of time before they uh, 
decided enough was yeah, enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it is interesting. Uh, mental health, particularly children's mental health, was a big one of Nicky Morgan's big um, uh, um, uh, sticks. Yeah, she, she word, came in it? and almost the first thing she said was she wanted to talk about this. talk about that. Yeah. So I suppose you could say this is really embarrassing. The other thing that Natasha is. Um, really keen to talk about, which I think will be very interesting to our readers, is she said she said in her first column for us and in the column she wrote for us last night, is she thinks you can't even begin to deal with um, child and adolescent mental health before you start dealing with the mental health crisis in the teaching profession. Ah. So, um, you know, she also knows how to get teachers on side. <laughs> she <Sure> does, <laughs> absolutely. Um... Well, there was another big uh, story of this week, and it kind of fits with... Well, it doesn't kind of. It does fit with um, this week's um, magazine's main feature, which is about SATs again. It's the second part of our two-part series on, on primary assessment. But uh, poor old Nick Gibb came up a cropper, didn't he? Poor Nick Gibb. Poor Nick Gibb. <laughs> Should so we shouldn't laugh. No. Should we laugh? No. Yes. yes. Yeah, I think, I think the profession is as well I think laughing. he's laughing now. Isn't I he? hope he is. Yeah. Anyway, for those of you who don't know, Nick Gibb, schools minister, um, many believe uh, to be the driving force behind the government's rigour revolution, mm. um, really driving you know, the SPAG test at primary level, the phonics test at primary level, and harding up on GCSEs. It was a live on air on... Oh, the World at One. World at One yeah. on Radio 4 right. on Tuesday, I think. Tuesday, yeah. Or Wednesday. Um, he said uh, he was asked a what I think is a spectacularly difficult question about grammar from um, from the key stage to sets. And what happened? He got it wrong. He got, he it, got wrong. it wrong. Now, Eddie, you're our resident grammar expert. I like guru, guru, exactly. I would have said. Well, maybe it's from the journalistic point of view because using after as a subordinating conjunction is something that you do quite often in top lines certainly what I do quite often in, in top lines it was a bit of an easy one I thought for him I to be fair I I didn't that I, I wasn't aware of the terminology it was not sure something so when I was faced with the question I had to sit there and say okay what is going to be meant by subordinating conjunction and what is going to be meant by a pure preposition yeah. but if you know anything about grammar you can look at the sentences and work it out exactly I suppose uh, he was, he was, he was all the more it. embarrassing was the story that's emerged today was that he had in fact already <laughs> been given read, the answer, <laughs> read the question and been given the answer. Yeah. So I think you might well be able to just put it down to nerves. Yeah. But nonetheless, I mean, the teachers, I mean, the readership, reader figures on that story have been enormous. Been, yeah. I mean, hundreds of thousands of teachers have read that story on our website. And uh, I think it illustrates how angry the profession is about about Nick Gibbs' agenda, really. Yeah. If it had been another minister, it wouldn't have got the same response. Absolutely. I mean, he, he even said today that he's often wondered whether or not it's been set too hard, whether the standards that he's uh, placing on kids are standing to... But he, he said that his advisors had told him, no, this is this is uh, gauged just at the right level. So um, it remains to be seen, doesn't it, how how, how well these things will, will turn out. Though up. I do think it's worth pointing out that it's essentially irrelevant, really, because... It's hoop jumping, it's learning, it's, it's, it's rote learning, and actually it has nothing to do with writing at all, yeah. which is what it comes down to, and I think we should, what is exercising a lot of the teachers, is that being able to name a subordinating conjunction has nothing to do with being able to turn a decent sentence, and Absolutely. the creativity that comes with just writing sentences. Yes, 
Absolutely. Okay, um, well, we're not going to go too much on sats because we, we did a lot on sats last week. Um, but this week's lead story in the news section is on... Um, a TS survey. A TS survey, um, which came up with uh, an, an eyebrow-raising um, stat that... Um, that basically teachers uh, are more likely to believe, or maybe it's not eyebrow raising, teachers are more likely to believe that a small, smaller class sizes are going to re- um, improve standards uh, better than giving teachers pay rises. Um, are we surprised by this? Probably not. I don't know. I think as long as I've been here writing about education, it's been one of those weird, weird things, isn't it? That It's always said that everyone within the kind of educational bubble knows that class sizes don't make much difference yeah if you read the research yeah but despite the research politicians because they pander to the need to the parent voters absolutely always say they're going to drive down class sizes it's always a manifesto commitment ahead of an election and that kind of thing yeah what's interesting is that teachers appear to agree (laughs) with the parents (laughs) not the research yeah and it, it sort of brings to light a kind of tension i think that's really interesting is that which i think researchers can't really square which is that teachers and parents know from their empirical experience that if you remove two or three kids from your class of 28 or 29 Mm -hmm. you can spend more time focusing on fewer pupils and therefore you believe get better results yeah uncontrolled behavior better and all that the weird stuff is that the macro research you know the john hattie stuff and the education endowment foundation stuff says that that's not true Unless you go down to yeah, less than the, 50, fewer than 15 or whatever. 12 or whatever, yeah. yeah. Um, I think the really great thing for the profession is, and I, I think it's a positive thing for our readers to be saying, is that they'd rather have the smaller class size than the pen of pay. So they're not all about the money. Really is what I... <laughs> and the weird, thing, the weird thing is that John Hattie, you know, the great guru of educational yeah. research, says you should pay teachers more and that gets better results. Yeah. So it's sort of, there's a whole load of tensions there between research findings and what teachers know empirically. It's one of those funny things, isn't it? It's, you, you almost don't want to believe the research. I remember uh, interviewing Ed Miliband before the election uh, last year and one of their policies was to reduce class sizes. And I said, you know, the re- research just doesn't support reducing it by one or two. And he basically said, I don't care. <laughs> parents like it and parents believe in it. So therefore, we'll do it, you know. Um, it turns out the teachers believe it too. Yeah. So, I mean, take away from what, it's what you will. Absolutely. It's a really interesting talking point, I think. Yeah. It's uh, interesting, sorry, the, the Hattie thing as well is interesting because was he saying pay teachers as a profession more, which is different from saying staff pay rises? It's a different... Staff pay rises suggest performance-related pay, which mm. obviously teachers have problems with. Well, Hattie, but, st- Hattie stuff um, specifically says the PRP isn't very effective, I think. Okay. Although I need to go away and check that. Yeah, I, I'm going to... I think he talks about just raise, rising pay um, to raise the esteem yeah. mm-hmm. of the profession. So mm-hmm. I, yes, that's what I bet, yeah. Yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, brilliant. Okay, I'm going to move on to you... D, you have a uh, lovely little story about um, stretching the truth when it comes to references. Um, what's this about? Um, yes, this is basically it 
began with a, um, a law firm who um, there's a lawyer who ends up spending a lot of time speaking to teachers about or to head teachers about reference issues and there seemed to be a lot of problems that came up about what you do and don't include in a reference and what you are and aren't allowed to include uh, or to, to put in and to leave out and he thought he would look into how widespread this is and the answer was very um, <laughs> and essentially everyone I spoke to said oh yeah absolutely and it is it's not even a secret but it's sort of un, a, a, no, a, a known secret that what you do is you always give a positive reference but you indicate by omission what you're actually trying to say so if for example you were going to say that someone is a teacher is incredibly punctual incredibly enthusiastic always a colorful character <laughs> one might say and how's their classroom control yes it's, it's sort of uh, euphemistic isn't it yeah absolutely you have to read between the lines i yeah. guess that you have legal problems don't you if you if you write a negative reference i suppose you're leaving, you're leaving yourself open to being um yes you would you if you were actively i suppose limiting or hindering someone's chances of getting sure. a job you would probably find yourself in and you would need to justify certainly if you were making any negative statements you would need to be able to justify those yeah quite substantially it's a really f fine dark art isn't it the writing and reading of yeah. references in loads of private sector companies it doesn't exist anymore because companies have a default position of just writing um references that confirm that John Smith worked here worked from... There, yeah. The tombstone reference is what yeah. they call it in the story. Oh, yes, do they? Yes. Oh, right, okay, yeah. Um, so it's, it's great, I think, that it lives on in education. <laughs> and that it's some sort of secret code between head teachers yeah. as well. That, it's that... Because it touches on the whole kind of passing lemons thing as well, doesn't it? That people talked about mistakes yeah, years ago. It's a, a major problem over there. They've got many different names for it. Passing the lemon and the chicken dance and all sorts of things or something like that. No, but, uh, they're, they're we should explain. This is <laughs> Sorry, yes. Uh, <laughs> talking in euphemisms and people have no idea what I'm talking about. Is the idea of passing teachers, uh, poorly performing teachers being passed on by schools to what end up being uh, poorly performing schools. And they call it uh, either the turkey trot or passing the lemons. Um, but yes, this idea of... Um, not the best teachers ending up in not the best schools. You wouldn't write an honest reference for them. Exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, it's. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Have you ever had to write a, ref uh, a reference? I have. Uh, it, it does put you in a really interesting yeah, position. You don't want to, I mean... I mean, if you thought someone was, you know, fundamentally evil, <laughs> you write an honest <laughs> reference, don't you? But, I mean... It's a sort of about goodwill, really. Yeah. Isn't it? You don't. You want to be paying it forward as well, just in case you know. <laughs> you <have a> <laughs> yeah. And also, how much of it is a personality clash, and how much of it is the person being yeah. fundamentally wrong in the wrong job? Yeah. And ultimately, as well, if it, if it is a teacher who's working for you, and that's how it works in education, and they're leaving. If they're bad, you want them to leave. <laughs> <laughs> this person is a psychopath. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, I'm sure this is an issue that head teachers listening will have dealt with um, almost weekly. Absolutely. Um, yes. Um, very good. Uh, I'm going to leave it there. Thank you very much, uh, Dee and Ed. Uh, thank you all for next listening as ever. And in next week's edition, yes, look out for Ed. A brilliant feature. 
a brilliant, brilliant feature by a brilliant writer, a man called Stephen Petty, who's written The 18 Rules of Exam Season. Oh, excellent. excellent. And it is uh, illustrated by the fabulous David Parkin. Oh, yes. You will, whose drawings you will recognise because he um, drew many for many years for the Beano. Yeah. It is a beautiful feature and it's very funny with a few actually serious and poignant points within it. Oh, good. It's a must-read, as he, Richard would say. He Indeed, he does them very well. In fact, he did the Star Wars one um, this week online, did he not? He did, yes. yes. Excellent. OK, well, I certainly one to look forward to. Uh, so make sure you're with us next week and make sure you pick up a copy of the magazine tomorrow. Thank you very much for listening and thanks and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.